if I kept working out for like the last five years, I could look like Joe Rogan right now. But I drink beer instead, so I don't. I look more like Paul Rudd. No, Paul Rudd looks good. Uh, Paul Blart. There we go. Mall cop. Welcome to the Roots Report. My name is Patrick. I'm Major. And I'm Tim. What are we going to talk about today, Patrick? Well, today I thought we'd go over options round two. And we're going to start off with an overview of what we talked about last time, some big hits. We're also going to go into how your premium price is calculated, as well as some new option strategies that you can try or just learn about for yourself. Sounds pretty interesting. I'm ready to hop on in. Yeah, so last time we talked about theta, which is your time decay. That was one of the Greeks. So theta is the price that you pay for each day of the option. And you can find that in pretty much any broker. It'll tell you what the theta rate is. If it's 0.01, basically your option is going to decay one cent per day. If it's higher, you know, 10 cents, a dollar, whatever. Whatever that theta value is. Yeah, that's your theta value. Your delta is the rate of change to the underlying. So if you're if the underlying stock goes up $1, your delta will tell you how much your options will change. And so if it goes up $1, you'll get maybe 50 cents. And people often use that as a, a measure of risk. A 0.5 delta across the board is typically about as risky as a 0.5 delta somewhere else and so on and so forth. Yeah, I was I was curious about delta. If I'm looking to like just do a quick scalp or an intraday trade, a day trade uh, on a on a spy option. Looking for something with a higher delta, like in the money, would be better because uh, the underlying stocks can make the same dollar movement regardless. And I'm thinking it's going to go in the up direction, right? So I buy a call or a down direction if I buy a put. Your delta, if it's higher, it's generally less risky. So if you buy in the money, it's more likely that your option at the end of the expiry will be worth something. But just having a higher delta doesn't mean it's necessarily better because you're also going to pay a higher premium for that. So if you look at, like, let's say you pay $10 for a uh, 0.8 delta, so every dollar it moves up, you get 0.8. But if you pay $5 for a 0.5 delta, every time it goes up, you get 0.5. And you're saying that you think it's better, but you have to also consider the opportunity costs that you bought 2.5 deltas for $10 instead of... 1.8 1.8 for ten dollars the 1.8 so, is less risky but the 2.5s well the two 0.5s are uh more profitable, know, more profitable. If, that would be a one trade plays out cumulative one delta every time it goes up basically you know okay well, that makes sense right? thanks for explaining that yeah so and your vega is uh also the measure of the options value of <clears throat> The volatility, the implied volatility, basically the banks and whoever is selling and making the options, they decide what they think the implied volatility is. That can be determined based off of uh, prior price history and if there's any like known upcoming events. And that'll get put into the price of the option as well. We also covered in the money, ITM, and out of the money, OTM, which Major just talked about. Second ago, if it's in the money, that's less risky, and you are currently making money on that option. If it's out, if it expires out of the money, it's a worthless option. So you always want to be in the money, uh, but you might want to buy out of the money at the beginning because they're they'll be cheaper. 
Yeah, so I, I had a question about that. I'm sticking with Spy just because it's so ubiquitous and, and user-friendly. Uh, if Spy takes a dip, would I can, should I consider buying like calls, you know, $20, $30 out of the money uh, and like over this 30, 35-day um, DTE days to expire period, you know, pick up some cheap calls because as, you know, if Spy keeps going up as stocks do, you know, I say facetiously, um, my Delta should increase as the strike price gets closer to the share price or the share price gets closer to the strike price. Uh, and well, what happens to my theta, uh, as it approaches the expiry date, it also does it do increases. more of an impact or is it less yeah. of an impact? No, it's also increases as it approaches the expiry date. It has an, uh, a, what would you call it? A exponential movement. So the further out is it is like the most theta is in the last week. And the most theta is also in the last 45 days. Like, that's why I was saying to buy more than 45 days out. Generally, that's like a a less risky position is if you buy more than 45 days out because your theta really starts burning a lot more in the last 45 days. And especially the last week. Let's just do like the calculations or the equation for how yeah. the value set up. Okay. Uh, and it's just, uh, I mean, it's basically like because... You know, the difference between 12 months and 11 months isn't a big difference when you're talking about, like, how much it's going to move in that time. So the theta, it's there, but it's not, like, as significant. While as the difference between one week to two weeks is, you know, half the time. And then, you know, you only have seven days on one week. And so then it's every day you get less and less time, you know, so it starts to burn away more. That makes sense. And faster and faster. And as far as, like, should you do an OTM thing, it just depends. It's a risk-reward thing, right? The further out you go, the better. But if it does anything other than expire in the money, right, you have your break-even price. The premium price plus the strike price is your break-even. So if it expires at the end of 35 days, if it goes anywhere below that, you're going to lose money. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. The thing about options is is that you can lose money if it does nothing or if it just doesn't go doesn't up do enough. That. Even if it goes up, it, if it doesn't go up enough, you'll still lose money if you're buying out of the money or so even if, near the money. If I'm trying to do a quick scalp or a day trade on uh, a, on an option on a call, would I would you what would you do? Would you buy something out of the money or in the money? Uh, for a quick scalp, yeah. You know, there's like a big movement in NASDAQ, and so you, you run over to TQQQ, and are you looking for an in-the-money option, you know, pay a little bit more on the premium to get more delta, or are you looking for more, a little bit out of the money? Do any of the Greeks kind of help assist in, in that uh, decision? Well, delta is your general measure of risk. A lot of people use that as a general measure of risk. Um, How so? So if you were doing, like, if you wanted to do a scalp for in just one day... I would probably buy shorter term, closer to the money options since the theta burn won't really happen as much since you're not even expiring. You're not even using one day. I generally don't do those. They're very risky, obviously, but I mean, you can do them. I have before, like I've done zero DTE options before and made money off of it. They're really super volatile. I mean, like you can go like zero to 100% in hours. Or one hundred yeah. to zero percent in hours, you know, or vice or versa. Or negative one hundred. 
Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You can lose a lot of money. I mean, at the end of the day, if that's not in the money, it's worthless. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's worthless, right? Yeah, you're either gonna make money or you're, you're, you're gonna lose it gonna all. Lose so, it all. Yeah, yeah. It can be. It's a real. And you, if you look at those zero DTE options, just look at how quickly that theta burns on the last day. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. Like uh, something might be worth thirty cents in the morning, and then by two o'clock, it's worth a penny you know right because you know if it's out of the money who's gonna buy it at, at two o'clock thinking it's gonna get there by 4 p.m right or really 3 p.m right so i mean it can get it's very volatile those three are the main ones you want to look at when you're looking for your options price and so how do you know what you're paying for in premium basically what's baked in is all the greeks but the main ones <clears throat> that you're paying for premium are the vega and the theta which is why i said not to buy high iv stocks because basically you're paying a lot for your vega and you can get what's called iv crushed and so your vega is your the amount of money times your implied volatility which basically means the movement of that stock is already priced in in the market by these big banks who calculate everything and they say well we're not going to sell this option unless you know you give us a hundred or 200% IV and on like highly volatile stocks that is how it is I mean like it can be pretty silly sometimes even I made money on GameStop puts when it was going up even though you should lose money because the IV was going so crazy I think like at one point it was like a thousand percent implied volatility which is absolutely insane and so then the Vega price gets becomes more and that gets put into the option already. So like you have to look at your break even price as well. And that will help kind of determine what you think is going to happen by the end of the expiry as well as now, theta. You all you keep talking about the end of the expiry. Are you letting your options like that are in the money like reach the expiry date or are you selling them like long ahead of time? Uh not usually. Normally you have a timeline for your trade that you're trying to operate within a certain window. Yeah, yeah, you just, I always, it's good to look at your break even for the expiry because that kind of gives you a better idea of what's going to happen. Unless you have like a really long expiry date, uh, then you might just ignore the, kind of just calculate the theta and delta if you're only going to plan on holding it for like a week or something. Mm -hmm. okay. You could do that and just look at the theta and the delta and see how much delta you need to outweigh your theta. But if you're trading something within 45 days, it's definitely a good idea just to know, like, ballpark what that position at that price is expecting to do. Like, you, your goal is that it's going to move in a straight line basically to that point. That's what you're buying at the moment. Right, because you have to also remember at some point that option is going to expire. Yes. And so nobody wants to buy an option that's going to expire worthless. So even if it goes up, if it's not going to go in the money, nobody's going to want it. Right. So you have attractive. to think about also selling it eventually. Yeah, and that's what I was. That's what, that was what I was wondering because I usually sell my options long before they expire. Right. And if I don't, they expire worthless. Right. And so. Uh, you want to be careful about like just thinking like, oh yeah, this uh, option is so cheap because it's you know twenty dollars out of the money with a week left. It's like yeah, it's cheap and it's also not going to be worth anything. So you're going to have a really yeah. hard time selling it. There's so you want to think about cheap. like, is it even reasonable what I'm buying right now? Right, that's kind of my point. 
is to say, okay. like, look at the that's expiry and your break-even price. Is it reasonable for it to reach that point before expiry? I like it. Makes sense. You got to think about who you can sell it to when you're buying it. Right. You could buy a $1,000 spy call option for, you know, three months from now. And if it goes to $1,100, you're going to make insane money. But, I mean, mm-hmm. how likely is that? I guess that's where the risk reward ratio comes into play, right? If it's, it's only a dollar, risk. right? If it's only a dollar, I'm not talking options dollars where it's a hundred. I'm talking like if, if, yeah, if it's it, a zero point one. If it, yeah, if it's a penny, yeah, if the options a penny, then I'll, I'll I'll take ten of those, Bob. You could go ahead. They sell them every week. I think like the max you can go is like seven fifty or something right now. I haven't looked recently. Uh, but yeah, so all of those Greeks make up your premium price, so they're all important to look at when you make them and you don't want to get what's called iv crushed if there's a sudden change like let's say so something actually i think it was a rivian this week right Mm -hmm. that i was talking about yeah uh i think tim was asking about this and then i pointed out that it probably has really high iv because it's a new stock and it was going up like daily every day it was going up the the underlying stock was moving like 15 to 20 percent a day Right. And the options were just going absolutely nuts. Like I'm talking like 300% daily. Right. And a lot of that pricing is going to be in IB in Vega. Yeah. And just the sheer amount of people buying into them, right? Like that, that's what's really increasing the IB. And because it's a new product that's out there, the hype's there and like a major increase in demand. Right. Yeah. And uh, so basically the banks will see that and say, hey, it's really risky for us to sell these options, right? Yeah. They're not going to want to sell it unless the volatility of that option is priced in already, right? So if it keeps going up, great, you're going to make money, but it has to go up a lot. And after, you know, a 10-day run of just 20% after day after day, I'm sure the volatility was probably like 200, 300% or something. So you're going to pay a lot in Vega for that. And uh, if you look at it before and after when it started coming back down, that IV is going to cool off really quickly. And Mm -hmm. so that's what we call IV crush. It also happens every time after a... Would you be able to say that IV crush is kind of like a lack of liquidity in the market? Like there's less buyers and sellers out there then? Or like there's more sellers, I guess? No, IV is calculated. It's implied volatility. It's calculated based on like what the range of motion is for a thing. So it's implied volatility. Basically, it's like the volatility that is expected of a stock. So if you're expecting it to move $5 in either way, it has to move $6 in the way that you wanted it to to make money. I see. Okay. So if it becomes more regular, like if it goes up 20% every day and then it drops, you know, 10% the following day, your implied volatility is going to drop with it. So you're not only losing Delta, you're also going to lose Vega and it can collapse really quickly. Hmm. I see. So yeah. is that that's because the demand's not there? You don't have like 100 people or, you know, yeah, partially. I mean, that's part like of it. Trying to buy options. So, you know, because I mean, that's one of the things that I look at is like, the bid, you know, the spread. Uh, yeah. I'm looking to sell my option. Yeah, that's it, mostly it, the, the spread is mostly what is uh, determined by demand. Yeah, that's that's my question. Like, so we've got all these fancy numbers, and they're all Greek letters, and they're variables, and that's cool. I understand it. I've taken multivariate calculus. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't come down to who's buying and who's selling. Kind of, but the bank is typically the one selling them. We're, we're going to get into option selling here in just a minute. So be well, with about me. Selling them. I'm talking about like, like, so like I buy an option. I'm talking about me selling it. I'm not a bank. Yeah, but you're talking about selling an option that you bought. Right. And I'm talking about generating a completely new option to sell. Yes. Entering into a selling position. Yeah. Really, you'd just be selling the option that you bought from the bank back to the bank, probably. Realtail, retail doesn't who? do that many options, trades, or sells. Really? Yeah, I mean, you have to have a lot of money to do them, kind of. So, like, I mean, well, a spy a option to to sell a spy option, what is it? What's the price now? I mean, it's multiplied on... by 100, so. Spy is like 460, so 46K. Yeah, $46,000 to sell one option. So I think this is maybe one of the confusing parts about options itself is the the ambiguity of all the terms. Like they're either so specific or they're so generic that they're confusing uh, on, on both spectrums. See, I'm talking about selling because I'm talking about selling a call that I bought. I'm talking about my portfolio selling a call. And you're over here talking about selling calls like some kind of madman institution over here. Uh, so that could be confusing for like the listeners or, or people trying to I mean, in the end, it's the same, but the difference is that I'm trying to explain, like, the people who actually generate the options are the ones going to be deciding your Vega and IV and stuff, like... So, like, a a super quick explanation just to, like, understand how selling either shares or options kind of works is the shareholders that are buying uh, shares of the company or options in a company have the right to sell at any time. To facilitate that, there are institutions that enter into essentially like a short position every time that someone sells, or sorry, every time that someone buys. And then every time someone sells, they buy back the shares. And that's a negotiation that usually happens between the company and uh, their uh, clearinghouse is kind of what it's usually referred to. Uh, You may have a different uh, term for it in the States, I'm not really sure. But clearing house is usually it. Yeah. So that means like every time that people are buying weekly call options on the S&P 500 or whatever equity that's out there, there's an institution that is selling that to you by shorting that share or that option that you bought. So I'm not like ever buying one of your options. It's always going through a middleman. It's always going through a middleman. And and they cover my position too. Whenever I get out of it, I'm never actually selling it to you. I'm selling it back to them and they're selling it to you. Or, you know what I mean there. Well, yeah, that sounds like an easy way to rack in some extra transaction fees and rates. Exactly. Yep. yep. And uh, it'll all make more sense. Part of the uh, thing is, like, you'll buying options is easy. And then once you understand when and how to sell options, you're going to know how also when and how not to buy options, right? Because if you want to be yeah. the seller, then it's a bad time to buy. Yes. You so, think so? Yeah. If I, like, for instance... I'm about to transition from IV Crush into how to take advantage of IV Crush. Oh, okay. Well, real fast, just just before before because that sounds interesting. Uh, I don't want to like have to circle back to this. What about like I bought Tesla at eight hundred and I sold at a thousand, and you buy Tesla at a thousand because you think it's going to twelve hundred, and it went to twelve hundred. Like we could just have different opinions, right? You're talking about options or you, you, regular stocks. Well, I was just saying. 
you know, using regular stocks, but, uh, I mean, options would maybe be the same thing since we're talking about the underlying All right. stock. So you're saying like if I, if you buy and then it goes up and you sell. So what's your question? So you were saying like you, when you learn how to sell, you'll learn when not to buy. But I was wondering if, if that's just like a, a differ of opinions. Yeah. I mean, it's a difference of uh, risk. Obviously, you're never going to have a completely risk-free trade. Right. But, uh, you know, that person you sold it to, if it's already gone up from 800 to 1,000 and he thinks it's going to go from 1,000 to 1,200, that's a more risky trade. You can also you can also have a good sell and then the stock continue to run up another 100% after that. Right. Like That's not yeah. to mean that you sold at a bad place. You could have held longer and made more money. Sure. But each day is a different beast. And like, I don't know if you had a good opportunity to sell. Sure. Yeah, it's all about that dollar optimization. You know? Yeah, exactly. You can't look back and be like, "Ooh, I could have made more money if I would have held that longer." Like that. Everyone yeah, does just, it, but it sucks. Like that's how it, that's that's the, the easiest way to kick yourself. Yeah. But anyway, IV crush and how to play it to your advantage. Uh, yeah. So IV crush will collapse around events typically, and so like catalysts. Yeah, like if they have an earnings or a big report like a dividend maybe uh usually maybe, not so much maybe. dividends okay uh, not because, so much dividends uh because it's already priced in like in the in the options price actually if you look at options uh puts will be like cheap right before dividend or uh, expensive yeah. they knew exactly they knew they knew exactly what i was planning on doing never mind moving on priced they're already in. priced in because it's expected now if you get a surprise dividend Ooh, then that's that special cash yeah you have some insider trading but so the other side of the trade obviously i think probably most people are familiar with buying an option you know you pay your premium to get control of a share at a certain strike price and then an expiry that's what we've been going over mostly the other side of that is option selling and so you own 100 shares of an option or of a underlying stock so let's say I own 100 SPY common stock. I can sell those options, and basically it's the other side of the trade, right? So I own those 100 shares, and I sell uh, out of the money, and then if it expires worthless, I get to keep all the premium. You have to write the call first, right? I'm limiting my upside risk. Yeah. Yeah, so you buy 100 shares, and then you have to write the the call and then you sell it right and uh so this is kind of where you can clarify uh what you were talking about earlier they have it's called buying to open or buying to close or you could sell to open or sell to close and that's the difference between uh selling to write a new option and buying to close an option that you wrote so i could write an option and then if it gets called or if it gets exercised, then I need to go out and buy 100 shares real fast to, to cover uh, it. If they allow you to do naked options, yeah. Okay. Is that... But generally, most, unless you have like a lot of money or something like that, most uh, it's hard to get approved for that at most brokers because it's very high risk. That makes sense. You have basically unlimited loss possibility. Oh, that's my favorite kind of trade. Because it can always keep going up. Like imagine selling a naked option on... GameStop when it was at forty dollars and then goes up to four hundred dollars. Well, that's what some of the institutions were basically doing almost. Yeah, and so, so then they lost their entire company. So <laughs> it's very risky. Yeah. It can be. 
like you take 20% of your fund and enter into a naked short or, or like a naked call, I guess, whatever you want to call it. And all of a sudden it has a negative 1000% loss. Like you, there goes your company, your entire hedge fund goes under. If you realize it, which like hopefully you don't have to, but I feel like some, some did. Or hopefully you do, <laughs> depending on the amount of commas and your intentions. Yes. But. Uh, yeah. So option selling, you can uh, basically you get the premium. It's the other side of the trade. You get the premium and you sell the option. And for IV, it's I usually like that trade a lot because it's the movement is already priced in. And you might have like some inkling of if you think this earnings is going to be good or bad. And so you can sell an option for generally more than what like the risk really is because the volatility is already priced in. And then the day after the earnings report, uh, the IV is going to collapse. And if it does anything but move a lot in your direction, you're going to make money because the Vega is going to lose a lot of money. How are you making money? Did anyone buy your call? Yeah, so you in, sell in scenario. You sell an option on something for the earnings report. Basically. Okay. And then like so let's say you sell a put, which is called a cash secured put, because you have to put up money unless you're doing naked, which you probably won't be doing. You have to put right. up money to buy one hundred shares. So uh and then you can sell that option just with cash. You don't own the uh, stock yet, but you have enough cash to buy 100 shares of it. So you you do need quite a bit of cash sitting around to be able to play options then? You don't always. It depends. For SPY, yes. Obviously, you need $40,000. But if you got something cheaper, like you have a $2 stock that has options on it, then you can True. sell options, cut calls, or puts for $200. So, wait a second. Are, are you saying here that, let's say, just pulling a, a ticker, a hypothetical example on my ass here, um, let's go with SOS. Let's say I'm bag-holding SOS, uh, hundreds of shares. Are you saying I could be writing and selling calls on these bags to make money while I'm waiting for the share price to recover? Yeah. Well, that should be like retail 101 that should be like the first thing they teach you as a retail trader like hey you're gonna become a bag holder <laughs> like let's teach you how to make money <laughs> while you're while you're holding these bitches assume you lost which you will <laughs> i mean what's like 90 percent of retail traders lose money uh but you only lose money when you sell so i mean it's almost like having a it's almost like making your own dividend uh off yeah. of your own mistakes yeah uh, and so you can, that's called the covered call. So basically you own 100 it shares. it covers your ass. That's smart. Yeah. That's clever. And then you can sell it for the premium. Uh, you limit your upside potential profit. So you can never make more than the premium plus the strike price on that 100 shares. But uh, you get the premium if it doesn't do that. So If it expires worthless. So like if I sell my SOS for $3 and, you know, Tim thinks SOS is going to the moon with crypto going to 100000 So he buys it and then it only goes to 250 and expires worthless. I still have all my shares, but I also have his premium now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I can just do this through like a broker or do I need to be special? Do I need certifications? Do I call somebody? You have to talk to your broker about getting okay. 
options approval. Oh, definitely. Definitely got to get approved for options. But after that, is there like any anything else? Like, I, don't know, I just feel like I've been staring at my screen a long time. I've never seen a, a, a button that says write, write an option. Yeah, I could you just uh, sell it. Sell position. Yeah, you sell it to open it. So you click on whatever you have, then go to options and then sell it. <gasps> That's what the sell. Okay. See, I've always wondered. I was like, wait, is this selling calls? Is this like a put? I think this is a trap. So I've like never. Okay. So this, this makes more sense. And uh, you can also do it with puts. Like, let's say you want to enter a position. And you think the price is going to go up. You can take advantage of the puts. Yeah. Basically, instead of having a uh, limit buy, like let's say you, you're like looking at something to buy and you say, you know, I think $22 is a good good price to buy this stock at. Instead of putting in a limit buy, you can sell an option for $22 strike price. And then basically you get the premium. And also you, if it goes in the money, you, you're going to buy that uh, stock at that price. Whoa. Whoa. So if you Whoa. sell if you sell at a limit if you sell a twenty two strike price for fifty cents let's say you're actually buying it for twenty one fifty all those shares one hundred shares, oh, oh, which would be that sounds yeah. cheaper. That sounds that sounds way cheaper. Yeah, it sounds fifty cents cheaper. It is okay because you get the premium and you're gonna buy at that price. Well, anyway. What's the what's the downside? Why would I ever buy a hundred shares ever again of common stock? Um, the downside is that it only, you only get the shares if it's exercised. Like, let's say you're bullish on it or that it dips a lot. But if you were going to buy them anyway, it was already going to dip a lot. You also have to commit to 100 shares. You can't buy 10 and then 10 and 10, you know. Okay. Yeah. So there's no averaging down. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, you could average down if you wanted to, but you you just, you have to commit to at least 100 shares, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's uh that gives me a lot to um to think about and I can't wait to re-listen this episode probably multiple times to try to wrap my head around all this. It's pretty cool stuff. But wait, there's, there's more. more. Like Tim said, so you have to have a lot of money to sell options. And let's say, you know, you don't want to trade these penny stocks. Is there any way to get around that? There is. There is. Ooh. Let's say you want to keep trading SPY, but you don't have a lot of money to put up. Well, you can do what's called a spread. So let's say we're going to do a credit spread, which a credit spread is basically the selling an option. So you sell, uh, let's say, SPY is at 420. Okay. 420 blaze it SPY. And you want to sell a put for 415, but you don't have $41,000 laying around to put up for that put. So uh, what can you do? Well... You can do a spread. So you sell the 415 put and then you buy a 410 put. Now you only have to put up $500 minus the premium that you collected for the difference of those puts because the 415 put is going to be more expensive than the one that you bought at 410. So if I buy a 415 or if I sell a 415 put for let's say $1 and then I buy a 410 put for 50 cents then i only have to put up five four fifty because it's five dollars minus 50 cents so okay, okay and you multiply that by 100 so you put up 450 dollars let's say it's a weekly just to make things easy on friday when it expires if spy is worth anything more than 415 you're gonna 
take that 50 cents or that $50. So on four, $450, that spread uh, returned you basically a little over 10% for a week. Okay. And that's how you can use debit spreads to lower the amount of capital that you need to sell and or buy uh, options. Because you can also do what's called a debit spread, which is the same thing, but it... Uh, with call options. Yeah, it's uh, you're buying them, basically. You buy the uh, you buy one for more, and then you sell a further out one for less. And you pay money for... Sell a cl- you, set, you sell a closer one for less, no? That's when you get a credit spread. Oh, sorry. Yes. A credit okay. spread, you buy one, or you sell one for more, and you buy one for less. A debit spread is you buy one for more, and you sell one for less. Okay. That Basically, it's because you're giving a debit or you're receiving a credit. Your credit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically buying and selling, but on a spread. Fair, I see. And the spread is the difference of strike prices. So you have a $5 spread, a $10 spread, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah. And so that way you can trade spy options by selling or buying with much less capital. Because the capital that you, you sell basically gives you the capital to be able to buy a more expensive option no. yeah you could i mean that's that would be a debit spread so let's that say let's say uh you know an in the money option is ten dollars well you don't want to put a thousand dollars so you buy an in the money option and then you sell an out of the money option for less then you only have to pay the difference i see okay so if theoretically there was a option out there for $300, I could sell that one and then only have to pay the remaining 700 for that $1,000 option. And your max return would be the uh, difference between that spread. So basically, probably if it's, I mean, it depends on the, how big the spread is, but if it goes all the way to your uh, short option, the one that you sold, then you yeah. get the entire spread distance. So if it's ten dollars difference, it'd be a thousand dollar return minus the three hundred. That'd be seven hundred dollars. So on and so oh. forth. So that's how I can afford Google options now. I see. I see. Right. Except for remember two things: is one is that you're going to lose Premium. Greeks. Yeah, your Greeks because you're short and long an option. So your Greeks in some way cancel out. Okay. And so it's it's a little bit different. I would recommend, you know, fooling around with it, looking how they move, because they do move differently than uh, just straight regular options. And I would uh, say, you know, you want to look at them and they're typically a lot more um, elastic. They're not as volatile. And so basically that is a situation where you want to look especially at I'm expecting this to expire at this point and you can let them expire and then receive whatever the difference is. Sweet. Awesome. Well, we've got some new strategies to, to try out. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You're going to have to let us know how, how this all works out for you. And if you, you like it, what worked, what didn't. I will. I'll definitely be keeping updates with the podcast. I got to tell you one of my, I think one of the coolest things about options uh, and like specifically like with spy, um, is like you can just use like position sizing and respect like your portfolio to mitigate risk, and it's just absolutely beautiful. Like if you only put you know five or you know have bid ten percent into like you know spy options, right? Then spy could go to zero tomorrow, and I still have ninety percent of my portfolio, 
right? I, I, I can recover from this. I like, it'll suck. It'll hurt. But like, you know, it's not, it's not game over. It's not devastating. However, if spy went up $10 tomorrow, right? That's some life changing money, which is, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I like I think. options a lot because you can, uh, there's a lot more that you can do with them. You can be a lot more specific. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can make money if it goes up. You can make money if it goes down. You can make money if it does nothing. Now that's, that's the option we need to work on next is what to do when it's trading flat. And so it doesn't matter with options. You can make money anyway. Hey, that's, uh, that's my tagline. And uh, I would like to say also, if you had something that you wanted covered that you didn't hear about, or you were had a question or were interested in something, uh, join the Discord. Come ask me, and I can cover it in a future episode. Right, because if you have questions, uh, you know, according to all my teachers in, in, in class, uh, if you have a question, that means there's 10 other kids in this room who have a quest- that same question. So reach out. Come join the Discord. Hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Tim, you want to take us away? Sure thing. Was there anything else anybody wanted to talk about? Just the Twitter handle. Um, you can find us at Roots Research underscore. Uh, and then the Discord's in the bio. Hit us up. Give us a follow. Stay tuned for our daily market updates. And cue the outro. I was going to say, if, if there's nothing else, we can cue the outro. Cue the outro? Thank you for listening to the Roots Report by Roots Research. Everything discussed in this podcast should be considered to be disinterested commentary between the hosts, and this is not financial advice as we are not financial advisors. Please be sure to share and follow us on Twitter and Spotify, and even join our Discord. Links are in the description below. This has been Roots Research, and stay rooted.